this morning's scripture comes from Psalm 113. Uh, you can find it in your bulletin, your Bibles, or on the screen behind me. Praise the Lord. Praise, O servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. From the rising of the sun to its setting, the name of the Lord is to be praised. The Lord is high above all nations in his glory above the heavens. Who is like the Lord our God, who is seated on high, who looks far down on the heavens and the earth? He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the ash heap to make them sit with princes, with the princes of his people. He gives the barren woman a home, making her the joyous mother of children. Praise the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Um, when I was in college, I had this uh, summer job working at um, working on Lake Chautauqua, which is this beautiful lake in western New York. And uh, one day, as I was working there, I was not having not having the best of days. Uh, there was a girl who I worked with there, who I really wanted to date, and she really did not feel the same way. And so after kindly but clearly uh, letting me know this, it, it was not the best day that I was having uh, by any stretch of the imagination. And so one of my friends uh, who worked there with me, who knew how to sail, uh, the, the place where we worked had these small four-person sailboats, and so he said, let me take you out sailing, we can talk, just kind of get your mind off of things. And so we go out there sailing uh, in the middle of the lake, we're uh, talking for a while, and uh, it comes to a point where we got to turn around and go back uh, to work. And so as my friend Tom goes to turn the boat, he catches the wind uh, and completely the wrong way. And so the entire sailboat flips over and tosses us right into the lake. And, and so we, you know, we get our wits about ourselves and, uh, and we try flipping the sailboat. Um, and uh, that doesn't work. Uh, at one point, Tom gets wrapped up in the sail under the water and finally like, comes up with this slightly terrified look on his face. And uh, you know, being the, the really bright uh, young guys that we were, we didn't tell anybody that we were going sailing. Uh, so nobody knows where we are. Nobody has any clue that we are out there in the middle of the lake. And uh, we're all alone. And so we, uh, we just decide to start yelling as loud as we can to boats that we could see off in the distance, which if you've never tried to yell into a stiff wind across a lake, uh, I can tell you it is absolutely pointless. And so we finally just quit. And we're floating in the middle of this lake. Uh, wondering if anyone will ever see us, feeling completely helpless, feeling completely small. Now that feeling that I had that afternoon on that lake, I have felt countless other times in life, and I'm guessing you probably have too. Where we all, in, in ways so much bigger than just a flipped sailboat, we all uh, have felt helpless. We know what that's like. Uh, we, we all have places in our lives where the illusion 
of being capable and in control has faded away. And we feel stuck. We feel powerless. Places in our lives where we, we can't see a way forward, where we feel helpless, where, where we just feel small. And if you're like me, you don't like that. Helplessness disorients us. We, we don't really know what to do with it. I mean, we're raised to grow from this place of, of neediness to competency, to managing life and its outcomes, to keeping everything all together. And, and when we can't, when, when somewhere in some way we feel powerless, we don't know what to do with that. I, I, I don't like helplessness. It makes me feel weak. It makes me feel small. Well, this psalm is a psalm for anyone who, like me, feels helpless somewhere this morning. It's an invitation from God himself to actually see our helplessness in a whole new way as the place that God most longs to surprise us with all that he is to us and for us in Jesus. Here's the big idea of Psalm 113. There is no thing too big for God and no one too small for God. Now, psalm 113 is a psalm that was written to help Israel Remember times when they felt helpless, when they felt weak, when they felt powerless, when they, when they felt small, and God was big for them. It's a psalm that was read every year at the beginning of the Passover meal, when Israel celebrated God seeing them enslaved in Egypt and through a bold love overthrowing a world superpower also he can have Israel to himself. It quotes in verse 9 the prayer of a woman named Hannah who had no family, no future until God showed up in her life with a gift of compassion and grace that changed everything. It's a psalm that reminds us whatever we're facing, whatever we brought in with us here this morning, there is no thing too big for God. And there's no one too small for God. And so that's the two things uh, that this psalm shows us. And that's how we're going to look at it this morning. So first, Psalm 113 shows us there's no thing too big for God. Uh, this psalm, it, it starts calling us to praise God for his bigness, for how massive, how gigantic, how enormous he is. So how big is he? Well, the psalmist, he, he compares God to things of increasing size to show just how much he towers over them in comparison. First, Psalmist shows us that God's bigger than the heavens. 
In verse two, it says, blessed be the name of the Lord from this time forth and forevermore from the rising of the sun to its setting, the name of the Lord is to be praised. God's enormousness, it transcends time. It breaks out of space. You know, the, the limits of what we can comprehend in our minds can't hold together the sheer magnitude of everything that God is. He's the God who, who placed the stars, who formed the world, who Isaiah says stretches out the heavens with his fingers like you and me just stretch out a picture on our phone. That is, verse 4 says, God's glory is above the heavens. It's above the skies. It's above the awe-inspiring magnitude of a night full of stars. I mean, just, just let that sink in for a moment. You know, in our galaxy, the Milky Way, there is around 100 billion stars. Now, to equate that to something a little bit more tangible, all right, in the average one-pound bag of rice, it's about 29,000 grains of rice. I know because I counted it. Not all of them, all right? I counted 100, I weighed it, I multiplied it. There's about 29,000 in here, okay? Meaning, to have enough grains of rice to equal the amount of stars in our Milky Way, you would need about three and a half million bags of rice. Just to equal the amount of stars in our galaxy, which is one of an estimated two trillion galaxies. And the psalmist is saying, bigger than all of that more glorious than all of that, deserving praise over all of that is God. But next, the psalmist says in verse four, if that wasn't enough, the Lord is even high above all the nations. Now, now you might be thinking, wait a second, you just said that we were going to look at things of increasing size that God's bigger than. This feels like we're going in the opposite direction. We, we just went from the heavens to humanity. And yeah, I mean, in one sense, I, I mean, you and me, we are just this, the tiniest speck of dust in the whole scope of the universe. But if you're at all like me, then there are plenty of times where people feel bigger than planets. Plenty of times where, where I give people more power over my heart than they should have and, and probably even want to have. Plenty of times when I give people the ability to make or ruin my day. Plenty of times when, when people seem big God seems small. When in reality, God is over and above every person we know, every relationship we're in. He's bigger than all of that. He's over planets. He's over people. He's over everything in our life that feels big. 
meaning there is no thing too big for God. This is a God of no limits, who the Apostle Paul in Ephesians 3 says can do immeasurably more than all, all we could ask or think. Psalm 113 is saying, whatever it is that you are bringing into this place with you this morning, wherever you feel helpless in life, that place is real and it deserves to be listened to. But first, take a step back and get a glimpse at the breathtaking bigness of God. Because there's nothing too big for him. There is no mess too much for him. There is no heart too hard for him. There's no marriage too lonely for him. No son or daughter too lost for him. No addiction too strong for him. No story too broken for him. Now, now does this mean when we become a Christian uh, that we'll see God suddenly just start to make all the sad things in our life untrue. No. No, we, we all have places. We're in the mystery of, of how God works in our world. We've grieved situations and stories that, that didn't resolve, at least, at least not the way that I was hoping they would. But it does mean this. If there is no thing too big for God then this is freedom. It's freedom from believing we have to make life happen on our own way. Freedom from controlling all the outcomes around us. Freedom from managing all the people around us. Freedom from always having to be together, impressive, and in control. It means this morning we can take a big breath out. And no, I don't have to suddenly try and become the fourth member in the tr of the Trinity with the people and places where I feel helpless. And I don't know about you, but that is incredible news to me. It means we can trust God. We can trust him with our hardest situations and our most broken stories because there is no thing too big for him. Not the challenges of living in a fallen world not even the consequences of our own failures. Nothing, nothing's too big for him. So first, Psalm 113 shows us there's no thing too big for God. Then second, it shows us there is no one too small for God. In verse five, God is, he's sitting high above everything so high that, that he can barely see the heavens below him, looking down at everything that he's made. So what does he see? As God looks down on us, as he looks down on you and me here today, who do you think his eye is drawn to? So I think naturally, our hearts assume God's eye is most drawn to the people with, you know, with real spiritual potential, to the standouts, to, to the people who just are just cut out for life with God in, in ways that the rest of us seemingly aren't. But is, is that who it says he sees? 
God, high above it all, looks down, and, and who is his eye drawn to? Who, who gets, who captures his attention? The poor and the barren, the helpless and the hopeless, the people who, who couldn't feel more needy, who couldn't feel more powerless, who couldn't feel more small. The poor described here in verse 7, they're, they're the, the poorest of the poor. They sat in dirt, meaning they didn't have a home. And they lived off of food from the ash heap, which is another way of talking about the town dump. It's a picture of, of complete helplessness. And the barren woman is a picture of complete hopelessness. Um, I, I know many of us in here have or are struggling to be able to start your own family. You, you know the grief of not being able to hold a child of your own. It's heartbreaking. And in the psalmist's day, children, they were also your retirement fund. Right? There was no pension then. Your kids were your pension. Uh, without any, you would have no one to care for you when, when you're old and you're at your weakest, at your most frail, meaning your future did not look very bright. And so God, he's, he's searching the entire world. And where is his eye drawn to? It's not to the spiritually impressive and influential, but, but it's to a poor man scavenging for lunch off of everyone else's trash and the grieving woman without a family or a future because there is no one too small for God. This is the heart of God for helpless people like you and me. The heart of a God that with compassion and care is always moving toward our brokenness, not away from it. The heart of God that is drawn like a magnet to the parts of our lives where we feel the most powerless. The heart of God who finds your weakness irresistible. Because where he does his best work the God who in love couldn't hold himself back from the places in our lives where we feel most helpless, who demonstrates his bigness through his tenderness where we feel most powerless. Your helplessness, it is your greatest gift. But as the Apostle Paul says, it is the place where God in his grace will most work in you and through you. So where do you feel helpless today? Where, where can't you keep life all together? Where do you feel small? Where, where are you suffering this morning? Where, where, where are you stuck in sin where does the brokenness of this world just seem too big for you? God, he sees you this morning. His eyes of compassion are 
fixed on you right now, and he's inviting you to give him that helplessness. To not have to live self-protected before God anymore, where, where we tell him, come close, but, but stay back but instead to give him our sin and suffering, to give him the places where, where our hearts feel homeless and barren. Because when we do, when we do, he will lift us higher than we ever thought we could go. You see, Psalm 113, it, it ends with the poor going from scavenging to feasting, from a trash heap to, a, to the table of princes. The barren woman going from, from homeless and hopeless to a family and a future. This is the reversal of grace. This is God pursuing helpless people in helpless situations and lifting them higher than they ever thought they could go right into his very heart. Because there is no thing too big for God and there is no one too small for God. And when we give him our helplessness, when we give him that place where we feel powerless, where we feel weak, where we feel small, he can do the same for us too. He can bring a reversal of grace. One that, that's probably going to look different than what I have envisioned in my mind. One where the only reversal to a situation might just be what he does in my own heart, but one that will take us higher than we ever thought we could go. From scavenging on sin to feasting on his goodness and grace. From sorrow and grief to having his joy go in us and his praise come out of us. A reversal of grace that sees us and lifts us up right into his very heart for us. But here's the question. How can we really be sure about all that? How, how, how can we really know? How can we really know today that there is no thing too big for God, no one too small for God? Yeah, how, how can we know that Psalm 113 isn't just some nice, you know, warm, comforting-sounding Bible verses, but it's actually the reality through which God works in our lives? How can we know? Well, one night, a couple of years ago, I was putting uh, our son Neville to sleep. He's about, he was a little over two at that point, and it was December, Christmas was coming up, and so um, I'm talking to him as I'm putting him down, and, uh, and I say, hey, Nev, do, do, you, do you remember what's coming up soon? And he says, yeah, it's Christmas. And I said, yeah, that's right. And, I, and then I said, do you remember what Christmas is about? And he said, Jesus. And I said, yeah, that's, that's good, bud, that's good. And then just on a whim, I said, and do you remember what happened to Jesus at Christmas? He said, Jesus got small. Now, I have read books and books by the, the smartest, brightest, most educated people that Christianity's ever known, trying to describe and explain what happened that first Christmas, and none of them can top my two-year-old son just learning how to talk. 
God, with, with eyes of compassion, was looking down on helpless people like you and me, and in love, couldn't hold himself back anymore. So he came for us. Jesus got small. Jesus got weak. Jesus came and he sat in the dirt with us. He lived our barrenness alongside of us, who in a crowded room was always searching for the eyes of the person with the most need. Only Jesus didn't just come to sit in the dirt with us, but in our grave for us. And three days later, resurrected with power, rose not just to a table of princes, but to the throne of God, who promises now to us, when we trust our helplessness to him in Jesus, the reversal of grace has already happened. As God has today lifted us up to sit with his prince in heaven. How can we know? Jesus. He's how we can know. That there's no thing too big for God. And there is no one too small for God. Let's pray. Father, we are, we are helpless people. Uh, you know that. We don't, though. Holy Spirit, we pray that as we continue to worship right now, you would press into us a sense of our helplessness and free us to give that to a God who says to us, there is no thing too big for me and no one too small for me. Just look at my son and he'll show you how true that is. Spirit, as we worship right now, lift our hearts up to sit with Jesus in heaven, to feast on his goodness and grace. And Father, would your joy go into us and your praise come out of us. Amen.